that he lives out in Southern California. Said he had to clean up a bit. Wagner stays with the puck. Wrist shot by Muzzin scores! Tipped on the way! You're listening to All the King's Men, the official podcast of the LA Kings. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. I am Jesse Cohen. This is All the King's Men. Never miss an episode by subscribing today. Subscription links and recent episodes can be found at lakings.com slash podcast. The Kings dropped back into last place with a loss to the Auto Senators Thursday night at Staples Center. There are plenty of people out there willing to do the whole wailing and gnashing of the teeth routine over it, and I'm sure there are people much smarter than I who are breaking down the effort and what it means. Um, not me. Uh, I spent an hour after the game talking to Carlin Bathe and some lovely people from the LA Valiant about esports. I hope you enjoy the conversation. We are here high above the ice at the Bob Miller Press Box at Staples Center. Joining me tonight, Carlin Bathe. How are you doing tonight, Carlin? I'm okay. How are you? Because the fans demanded it. <laughs> The delightful Jen Neal. How are you doing, Jen? I am doing fantastic. I think this is the first time I've actually seen you at Staples Center. Yeah, I think the last time we recorded in person was the NHL Awards, the Vegas expansion. Yeah, that's right. Because that was my last final beat. I still have a video of us at the Adidas jersey unveiling where our drinks were jumping on the table because the music was too loud. (laughs) And the glasses were actually popping up off of the the little wooden crate that we had mistakenly like out of a movie it was it was and we were like too it loud. was like nerd prom so we were all super awkward nhl like reporters and yes. stuff there that it, it was just it's a bunch of free booze for a bunch of nhl media personalities unveiling jerseys so and and also i'm sorry i'm leaving the best for last uh we've got three representative well jen is also a representative of the team valiant for esports night that's um, correct. So, Jen, you want to go ahead and introduce your uh, your your group? Yes. So, um, let me start with Stephanie, who is our account executive at the Los Angeles Valiant, an esports organization. Say hello to the people, Steph. Hello to the people. This is Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> She's good. Next, we have um, Scott Custa Kennedy. Uh, Custa is actually one of our players on the Los Angeles Valiant. He um, is Australian. And you might have seen him tonight on um, the intermission with Scott and Carlin. I'm not Scott. You're Scott. I'm, I'm sorry. It's been a really long day. <laughs> Patrick. <laughs> Patrick. And Patrick and Carlin. And Scott was also there. Yes, he was. So say hi to the people. Or good day to uh, the good people. Good day, people. I am here <laughs> as the Australian representative of this podcast. And next we have uh, the man who runs Los Angeles Valiant, the general manager, Michael J. Schwartz. State. (laughs) Who are you? You're going from delightful to, you know, (laughs) real fast, Jen. (laughs) Hello, everybody. Uh, And, Scott, you sounded pretty robotic, so let's try to work on that for next time. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Got to keep it good for, you know, Fox Sports West. Uh, I'm sorry. I'll I'll loosen up a little. I'm sorry. He's not a Hemsworth, people. Um, We're working on it. (laughs) I I can't correct anything You can't just keep showing me clips of Hemsworth and expect me to turn into him. Uh, one day, but I will keep watching those clips and making sure that one day Scott will be a Hemsworth. The fourth Hemsworth. There's three of them, right? Uh, there's but not enough. There's got to be a secret one somewhere. Probably. <laughs> well, I think isn't the, anyway. that could be me. <laughs> Before we dive into the Valiant, I do want to briefly talk about this game, real briefly, because 
Well, you saw the game. What do you mean? Um, <laughs> Carlin? Yeah. Uh, well, Hi. What was the mood of the room after the game? Oh, it was not good. No? No, no. So I, I've talked about this Try before. to contain your glee, Jen. These, <laughs> these are the moments where I learn the most, mm-hmm. and it's also heartbreaking because I have to expose the players and right. make essentially make them expose themselves. Mm-hmm. So it was really hard, you know, going to someone like a Jake Muzzin who was just – He's on fire offensively tonight. Led the team six shots again. This is like the second time he's done that in the past like five games or so. And it's just heartbreaking because you could see it in his face. He knows what the team is capable of. And Mm -hmm. we know what the team is capable of. So to see them kind of have their energy truly just dip after the surge in the first period, it's heartbreaking. 18 shots in the first period. It's heartbreaking. What, six shots in the second with only two coming in the the final Mm -hmm. two? Or five minutes. There's my stats going out the window. But you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's not fair for them. One of the most painful things for me about this season is that for years, having lived through a rough patch in the 90s and the early 2000s where everybody was hurt on the team, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, the slow build up to cup contention, for years I would say you learn more by watching bad hockey than you do watching good hockey, Mm -hmm. right? Because you can see... You can see where the, the yeah. deficiencies are. And the you weaknesses, see, right? Yeah. And you're and you're forced to sort of accept. Okay, yep. your team just doesn't have the talent that other teams do. And you can see, oh, Tampa Bay does this, and our team can't do that. Yep. And this is why, and blah blah blah. There's nothing to learn from games like this. No. There's just not. It's just. I mean, it, it turns that whole concept into a lie. There's just. This is just. You got outworked by the last place team in the league, and now you're the last place team in the league. Yeah. Well, I can't uh, <laughs> gloat too much because the Ducks lost yesterday in yes, overtime. Yes, that's right. For those who are nine unfamiliar with the delightful Jimmy that would be nine in nine a row. In a row. A nine losses win. in a row. Yeah. Um, except we picked up points. That's so winless in nine. <laughs> so I'd like to call that. Um, yeah. So I, I can't say that I'm unhappy. It was nice to see Alec Martinez back. It was. Um, I always enjoyed talking to him. Um, I like seeing ex ducks as well, uh, Carl Haglin yeah. and uh, my boy Nate Thompson. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, he's on the other team. The other team. Oh, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, Bobby was a thing. Um, <laughs> I thought that's what I would make a ducks fan excited. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Bobby was a thing, um, but yeah, it, I I think this is just a terrible time right now for Southern California hockey. Can we be real? Yeah. I don't like seeing the Sharks having any sort of success. As much as I, I no, I'm not giving you a high five because you're. We're not high fiving over the shark, not liking the sharks. Oh, we are high fiving yeah, over yeah, that. Right. Hold on, high five. There we go. All right. Okay, <laughs> um, but really, Southern California hockey right now, um, just not good. Yeah, when the best team in Southern California is the Gulls, um, it's not. Or the Los Angeles Valiant. Well, so speaking of which, let's, let's get, get to, to the that. <laughs> Custa, I want to start with you, because uh, I have recently discovered that I love Australian slang. Okay, I think it. Is, I think it might be the perfect form of human communication. I agree. I agree. You, you, you've, you've captivated me. Keep going. All right, excellent. I'm gonna let so, you take the mic so you can banter with him. So I'm curious oh, yeah. if this was your first uh, live hockey game. No, I've been to three other games before. Okay. Um, I've been to two of the Canucks games. All right. And I've been to a preseason Maple Leafs game. That was actually my favorite game that I've uh, ever been to because it was actually it was like a four-three thriller or something mm-hmm. like that. The best hockey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Scott did live in Canada for a while. Yeah, so. I was in Vancouver okay. for a year in Toronto for another year. So oh, wow. Okay, okay. so you are properly introduced to the whole culture. Yeah, yeah. What did you think of hockey in L.A.? Um, I, 
it, this was probably the lowest quality game I've like I've seen. Right, there was ignoring the quality. Oh, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I, this was great. Um, it, um, no, it was actually it was actually a really good game. Um, the sort of like the scene was amazing. The fans was good, and it was it was honestly from a personal position, it was great to see like a lot of the Valiant, and because it was esports night, to mm. see a lot of that promoted and sort of the correspondence between the two teams. I'm curious. I mean, this is the question that I always ask hockey players, former hockey players. What age were you, and I suppose it would have been older than your average professional athlete because esports wouldn't have been an option until yeah. very recently. What age did you d realize that there was a potential career in professional gaming? Um, I actually remember when I was uh, 18. I remember a, a friend of mine, I was talking with him, and he said, if you could do anything in the world, what would you do? And I said, I would love to be a professional esports athlete. Um, this is back when you know, Overwatch wasn't even a thing and, you know, the options weren't really there for me. So it was around when I was 21 when Overwatch was first being announced and that's when uh, it was, like, the first time of, like, a glimmer of hope was, like, I could actually do this and this could be a potential opportunity for me. It's like being 40 years old. <laughs> Scott's 25, so he's oh, one of our yeah. older players. It's when he said when he turned 18, I was like, you're... you're I'm You're already I'm, 18. <laughs> he was he was way past peaking. At that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely one of the older people, especially when it comes to esports, for sure. Mike, what's the process for identifying, scouting, and acquiring professional esports athletes? We're gonna need a longer podcast for this. <laughs> um, just just to sum it up, I mean, a lot of us uh, on the coaching and management side, we sit down, we'll watch a bunch of you know the film clips, we'll watch uh, contenders, vods, which is like the amateur scene. We'll look at the ladder, see who's really climbing identify what we need in terms of in-game mechanics you know between dps players you look at something like tracking what's crosshairs. dps a dps is a um a damage hero so the one that you're expecting to blow up the kill feed gotcha. your offense you know um if i don't I know, gave a great I, answer <laughs> the buzzer goes off if i talk <laughs> exactly. in the uh in the five uh oh shoot i'm blank archetype blaster melee controller tanker healer is that still a valid. I haven't played games in like 15 years. You're, yeah, you're, you're, on, you're in the same like bullpot. We can understand. Least. We understand. You know, you're, you're right. translating in here. Let's relate them to hockey players. Okay, so uh, so I think a DPS player would be like uh, Kovalchuk, like a sniper, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Your offensive okay. line. Getting the answers in here. a way, okay. right? Like the person who's expected. That's a good call, to, Carlin. Thank you. Because it, it is essentially sort of an elimination kind of a game. So mm -hmm. it's the person who's trying to kill the other people, and then on top of that, you have uh, tank players who are. It's their job to absorb the damage draw that's coming the fire. in, it draw the fire and take defenseman. The, just take the space the defenseman and then you have support players which would I play our job is to uh, Sorry, heal say what kind of players? support okay um, so it's our job to heal and uh, give your other players sort of abilities that sort of they wouldn't have with penalty them. killers third liners oh okay yeah it, it, sure we're playing hockey Special at this point yeah. whatever, yeah. Utility, so, whatever utility would be yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah utility yeah okay excellent so once you find a player mm -hmm. uh is are there concerns like with chemistry to players? I mean, obviously you want to. Are yeah. you always a support player, or do you have nights where if you have to be, you play the DPS role? Some days he tries to. I don't let him. <laughs> not well. Not in that's public. That's the moral yeah. of the story. <laughs> so there are defined roles on the team. Hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. That's and I think one of the the most fascinating parts about our team is that we're multilingual. Mm. Um, we have players from Korea. Uh, last season we had a player from France. I mean, it's really about learning to speak each other's language and kind of speak the game language to each other, even if you don't speak English. Yeah. Or barely speak English. Something cool too. He was acquired in a trade. Let that sit with you for a second. Yes, I was. A trade. Like you're thinking like <laughs> like. What? 
What are you thinking about that? Like, that's insane, right? To I'm, be, st- I'm still hung up sports? on the fact that he referenced coaching. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, it hadn't occurred to me that there would be coaches. I don't yeah. know why. But like a real but. deal <laughs> trade, like in like in hockey, that w- yeah. that would happen. Like, that's crazy. This whole thing's it's about to happen. I'm too old <laughs> for any of this to make sense. Yeah, oh. yeah. So, yeah, it, it worked just like uh, sports. So, but last season was our first season. Mm-hmm. So, um, I was originally on uh, Dallas Fuel, uh, sort of a competing team. And, uh, yeah, I got traded halfway through the season to LA Valiant. How do you like it so far? It's it's well I was on Dallas truth, Fuel Scott. I was on Dallas Fuel <laughs> who at the time were five and fifteen uh-huh. and then I uh, joined LA Valiant and we went sixteen and four so uh, you can't complain about those results but I mean Be- because Space got on the team right that's no, what no, you're no, talking no. about I, we're gonna say it's because Rex of me not player. because Records of Space aside <laughs> I would have to imagine that being a professional esports athlete in and of itself is a pretty sweet card to pull and then on top of that being traded from Dallas no disrespect to DFW coming and getting to do it in LA seems like gilding the lily a little it, bit it, it, <laughs> it definitely um, ups, it, you know was a was an upgrade like across the board um, mm-hmm. I love LA honestly I just love the weather you know coming as an Australian I love the heat I, I don't like the snow or anything like the, the cold so, so why are you in LA right now <laughs> yeah <laughs> I've seen more rain here than the past three that's true this three is years a, this is a bad week to make this uh, make this analogy but yeah no, I, I really I actually really like LA so and just to kind of add a little more uh, context to it, what we play in is the Overwatch League, which is run by Activision Blizzard. Mm-hmm. And um, in the first two years of the season, we play at Blizzard Arena, which is all the teams play, regardless of where you're from, um, in Burbank, in Johnny Carson's old studio. That's like their favorite thing to say <laughs> about it. Um, but uh, starting in 2020, we will be relocating and actually being neighbors to uh, the LA Kings at Microsoft Theater. That will be our home arena. Woo! So uh, cool. we will be seeing you guys a whole lot more, and maybe we'll just have to start an All the Valiant Men <laughs> podcast. I think you're stretching here, Jen, but I like the, I like the effort. <laughs> I'm prepared to learn. <laughs> I play Fortnite. I'm hip. Fortnite is not an eSport. Well, so, so let me ask you about that, because I am, this is one of the things that I'm most curious about eSports. Um, quote-unquote traditional sports leagues grew up out of an interest in whatever game it was, right? So enough people were playing basketball, you know, either collegiately or in amateur leagues, and somebody started charging tickets, same with hockey, same with football, same with baseball, etc. Was Overwatch so popular that a league had to form out of the out of the group of people playing it, or did somebody say we need an esports league? What's the game that's most conducive to competition? So esports um, in itself. So I'm talking about other games grew mm-hmm. that exact way, where games were just released to have fun, and then people started competing, and then someone was like, "Well, let's start giving prize pools," and the prize pools got bigger, and then people wanted to watch it live, and then. That's what you see. So that's other esports games like Dota 2, Counter-Strike, Global Offensive, these big names. Um, when Overwatch was, was R- released... Remind me again what Dota stands for. That's, that's Defense of the Ancients. Okay. Um, it, but it, it's sure, essentially called Dota. Um, right. uh, so when Overwatch came out, I think it was very much made with the intention of being an esport, though. Okay. Um, they have Blizzard Backing, which is an incredibly big um, organization within games. Um, and they, it was pretty early on that everyone was like, okay, this is going to be a big name. So everyone sort of anticipated that it was going to get to this level. And just to add to that mm-hmm. too, from the business side, um, we all as companies had to purchase franchise slots. So this is the first global franchise 
organization. So like our organization is owned by our parent company, Immortals, which AEG invests in us. This is why we are such good friends with the Kings. <laughs> um, but also like it, to use the Boston Uprising as an example, who's another Overwatch League team, uh, the Kraft Group, Bob Kraft uh, bought an Overwatch League okay. slot. Um, so this the, isn't the NASCAR situation where multiple owners can own multiple teams or no. UFC where the one company owns everything. This is like a, a more like a traditional sports league where yeah. independent teams are owned by independent owners. Yeah, our parent know. company owns multiple teams, but okay. uh, the Los Angeles Valiant is only an Overwatch League team. Okay. Mike, were you a sports fan growing up? What was that? Were you a sports fan growing up? Um, I was a Colts fan. I played, when okay. I played football, yeah. So. so how easily, I mean, did your experience as a sports fan help translate your thought process to managing a, a an esports thing? Um, not not entirely. I I've been an athlete my whole life, mm -hmm. um, but I was actually going to be a lawyer before I <laughs> jumped into esports okay. coaching and management. So um, it was kind of like a non traditional path to to get here. I had worked on um, I had been with the scene, following the scene, so I understood how things worked like logistically and like how to maximize value. So. Um, when you know you can come to a player and say like I can make you X percent better, you know teams are going to take notice of that, and then eventually I work through coaching and now managing with the Valiant. So that's kind of how I got into it. So it's not like a traditional for me sports like oh my god I loved watching traditional sports. You know I right. enjoyed my Sunday night football, but uh, or Sunday football Monday night football. Um, but beyond that, it wasn't like I was like a sports like total junkie in there. And I think in general, just uh, that's what's so exciting about esports is you get people from so many different backgrounds. Like even just in our business, we have people from traditional sports. We have, you know, people from all over just joining together because gaming is so exciting and everyone wants to support that. So, yeah, um, I can imagine it must uh, easy is not the right word, but I can I can imagine how you would evaluate players right mm -hmm. this is what we want out of them this is what they do how do you evaluate coaching in esports you pretty much have to use a bit of a gut you know an eye yeah. test and a gut check um and then when you have the players you know you'll notice like who's making the player better and i think i mean scott you could probably when you look at a coach i mean you kind of know within a first couple of i would say weeks if the coach is really going to improve you over the long term yeah it's it's you know, just like any coach, I'm sure anyone who's played traditional sport has had a coach and you've had your fair share of useless coaches, you've had your fair share of good coaches and it's about recognizing the, the coach that's looking at the right things and telling you the right things. You know, someone can yell at you to be better, someone can do that, but it's the people that are looking at your game just like any traditional sport and being like, here's the mistake that you made. It's not the, it's not this this stupid thing that you know you've, you messed up. It's this little thing that you keep doing that needs to get better. And that's, in, in a game like Overwatch, it's the little things that sort of like all come together, just like anything. Because video games are so available to anybody, I, I imagine you must run into people all the time who sort of sneer and say like, I could be a professional esports, but like, <laughs> There's a lot of people that go like, oh, I, I could have done it if I right. had just had the time, but you know, I decided to do this. But I think um, the respect that a lot of uh, esports players in general are getting now is is a lot higher because back in the past, it was about who put in the most time. But now that it's professional and there's money in it, there's so many people going for it that only the cream of the crop really rise to the top. So um, you're starting to see a lot of people gain a lot of respect for the best because all of a sudden the population is becoming there and the best of the best now. Is there an all-star game? 
Yeah. There was an all-star game. Yeah, I was uh, I was actually a part of it uh, after right. the first season um, that happened. Hashtag humble brag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had Obviously. six players named um, out of our roster to the all-star game. How, big is, how big is the roster? Six. Six. Okay. Yeah. So all six of our starting all, players all of our <coughs> not bad. Uh, made, the, made the thing. We finished second in the regular season, um, but we... We, there was a lot of All Stars players that were nominated in in the in our in the league's defense. Um, but yeah, we there is an All Star game, West versus East, because there is you know teams from all over across the world. Um, but yeah, it's it's just like anything. You know, it's it's just a lot of little games come together. You said that everybody plays out of Burbank, regardless of where they're from, though. Yeah. For the first two seasons, uh, we're playing at Burbank, so we play uh, Thursday through Sunday now. Yeah, Thursday People through Sunday. fly in? No, um, everybody lives here in L.A. right now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so everybody's here centralized in L.A., um, regardless of if, if your team's from, from quote-unquote, China. Gotcha. But next year, we will start uh, globalization, so everybody will have their home arena. Okay, and you guys will travel like any kind of sports team would? The the logistics haven't really been worked out yet because that's you know the idea. That's the wow. idea, but you think about having to travel to China on a weekend and then come back and then play another match in yeah. Europe and that kind of stuff. It, 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 it's a scheduling nightmare, and I'm glad I'm not the person who has to solve that problem. How much <laughs> emphasis does there need to be on being it together in person against the other team, though? Because it is a, a like a, a live event that happens on the screen, right? How 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 much do you need to be there you playing against them? All right, so the th the this is a tr a very common mistake that a lot of people make that don't understand esports. Yep. There is a thing called lag that happens if you just if 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 I play from online, even if we I was playing someone over there, if yeah. we were playing on an online network, there's going to be delay. We play on a localized network at all times, which means there is zero ping. So it means that everything that we do is completely instant. Wow. So and that has to be played. Every every game of the league will be played where everyone is on the exact same uh, local server. What about a glitch though? Would that ever happen? They have pauses, which um, my very first esports game I went to, I um, they were <laughs> the guys in our locker room like or our player room looked at me and they go, "I bet you've never seen a pause in hockey before." <laughs> and then I was like, "Yeah, that's right." But like, what is so it? if something's wrong, like say one of their like. Um, keyboard or their their mouse is broken or they can't hear out their headset the there's referees mm -hmm. that actually stand behind them and will pause the game so that everybody can get certain and then a countdown back in to yeah. them playing. so there's uh, no disconnect between like the game that is happening and like someone has some unfortunate error that happens with their mechanical hardware sorry i'm hijacking questions jesse i'm just completely Not, fascinated so what about in the actual gameplay like what if something like I've experienced like my iPhone shuts off, or like you know what I mean. It's electronics. Yeah. How does that? There, uh, within the, the service of the game is actually very well refined these days. That used to be a big problem back in the day of, okay. of esports three years ago. Yeah, three like, years. You're going in for the, <laughs> the good kill. Good old days. Uh, <laughs> but like you go in for the kill and you're like, wait, it's literally glitched. Like that doesn't happen at all. An amazing thing. No, that very rarely happens. But if there is a there is ever a glitch in the game and the game recognizes that it's having a problem, the actual current Blizzard servers have if. If any of the 12 games ever recognize that that's a problem, yeah. the game will pause instantly. So if someone, their computer just instantly shuts off, the game will instantly pause until they get back into the game and stuff like that. So it's very well refined. Wow. That was all I had. Well, so my <laughs> next question is, how, how much does the crowd play a role? I mean, I could imagine in... Yeah, I mean, there's so for let's take traditional sports for example. There's sports like hockey or basketball where the crowd is loud and noisy, and you want it that way. Then there's sports like football where the crowd can interrupt, you know, the snap count. Then there's sports like tennis and golf where they're just so precious that you can't make any noise or yeah. you throw off their concentration. 
I can imagine that esports would require some concentration that could be thrown off by a crowd, but at the same time, it could be a, an adrenaline. A, a lot of people, um, and that, that's actually a, a component of every player, is how well do you play on the stage? Mm -hmm. Like, a player can be amazing online when you're just playing uh, as a team offline. Um, but when you play on the stage, it's a very different thing. Uh, we have very good headsets that block a lot of the noise. You won't really hear if a cheer, if you hear it, everyone cheers, you're going to hear it. Mm -hmm. But you can't hear anything else outside of that. So. Yeah, and just to add the other thing about the crowd, I think that you had said it's just a screen. And, and that's true, and, and you could have two players in two different spots if there was no magical lag uh, playing, but part of the spectator experience is going to like that Blizzard Arena where if, you, if you've never been, you should go because you have, yeah, you have like the game playing, but the lighting effects and everything they have makes you feel like you're integrated in the game. They also do lighting so that you can, it helps you follow the game. Um, they've got great tracking and stuff. The, the overhead lighting helps you like see charge-ups and stuff. It's really great. Wow. Yeah. And you can hear, we also have like broadcasters, but they're called casters. Mm -hmm. They're shout casters. Um, so you can hear them in arena, but they have the noise canceling headsets on, um, that still will call the game and, and, and you can understand it. I, I have to tell you coming again from hockey and not having any esports background i did not understand it until that first time i went to blizzard arena and saw the 30 foot led screens and the maps of overwatch like blown up on those screens and the, the crowd cheering and being like wow people are actually like really into this and seeing the players on stage because you can see what they put in front of the players is their faces so like if scott's making a funny face while he's yelling like it's hilarious <laughs> but um <laughs> I'm sorry, you are really funny when you play. I know, I yell um, a lot. Uh, but you can see everything, and it's just such an immersive experience. Um, and just to do a quick plug, we're actually going to be hosting Rivalry Weekend. <laughs> I've been working on saying that. Um, <laughs> August 24th and 25th at The Novo, where we will be have um, Overwatch League games there. We'll be playing our hated rivals, the San Francisco Shock and the Los Angeles Gladiators. Boo. Yeah. Boo. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but that's another thing. But Blizzard Arena is always there, and we and tickets are really inexpensive. Um, and we invite anyone to come to try to just kind of figure this out. I think that that's the best thing is like hockey. Until you go to a game, I don't think right. you fully understand it. I'm coming. First of all, we've already <laughs> talked about. We've this. already talked about. I'm, this, yeah. I'm going to the arena. I know you have casters. Mm -hmm. Do you have esports reporters? Yeah, and um, I see a lot of my job um, in PR and taking what I learned from my experience in the NHL yeah. as a way to kind of train a very new and very raw set of journalists yeah. who don't understand what it's like to have to um, ask for comment or yeah. what it's um, the difference between just posting blatant rumors mm -hmm. and versus sourcing and getting quotes and even asking for comment and being denied. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of what we deal with. And in, in the same token, um, especially at Valiant, uh, because our CEO, Ari Siegel, who um, comes from the Arizona Coyotes, he was the COO there. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> we, um, we feel that it is our responsibility to make professional players. Yeah. And if they were playing in the NHL, I would treat them the same way as, you know, we have fun with Scott here, but yeah. he, he'll tell you, like, we train them up so that they're professional because yeah. um, we expect them to be um, no different than your Drew Doughty or your Anjay Kopitar. Like, you, we expect them to be professionals. I want to be an esports reporter. I think you can be. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jen, you, you have an incredible opportunity here 
to protect the world from the increasing uh, growth of the... Jen, talk to me about what happened on... <laughs> can you uh, make Jesse, sure that nobody you, ever uses the talk how, to me? Uh, <laughs> how you feel about this happening? I don't know. I don't know how much you've experienced it. But I've, the, I've got my fair share. The, the, the whole I'll, talk to me about uh, talk to me about this thing, and then yeah, Jen's yeah. just in the corner. Just <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it's pretty funny. What, Mike? You want to say something? No, no. I'm just reveling <laughs> in the moment here. <laughs> so, I mean, in hockey and in other sports that have um, a more diverse uh, pl- players from more diverse origins, obviously language is a problem. The Kings have guys from Sweden, guys from Russia, guys from the states, Canada. You know, you have occasionally some teams where you have three guys on a line all from the same region. You know, they can communicate with each other. You mentioned you have a, a, a multi. We we have um, a majority. Uh, well, not a majority, but we have uh, Korean players. Right. So, Korean. Yeah. Yeah. How, and our head coach is Korean. Yeah. So how does that manifest itself in the middle of a game? Have you had to pick up some phrases in Korean, or do you all have a second language that? Babo. Uh, uh, There's actually a very interesting thing that's happened that I was sort of unexpected. Um, I can't have full conversations with our Kyrian players just about anything um, outside of the game. But in the game, I can say whatever I want in English and they will understand what I'm talking about because of how much we've played together and how Mm -hmm. much common phrases are said and understood. I can I can very much justify it, but we do have translators. So whenever we get out of the game and we're talking mass strategy, we're talking about the little things. We have someone who can communicate more in depth and give that, those little things. Can I can I attempt a weird analogy? Absolutely. <laughs> Is it sort of like learning to type or learning to text, where the first things you learn, or the first things I learned anyway, when I got a phone? was where L and O and L is because for the amount of times I typed LOL, (laughs) right? Like now I can just, I could pick up a phone and not even look at it, just LOL. Yeah. Is that sort of thing where you learn how to... It all becomes muscle memory, right? Like you you go through the same situation so many times and like that kind of stuff. There's definitely teething periods when it first started of, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm saying something and they go, I don't know what you're saying. And then you have to work that out. But once you sort of get that baseline and all the players seem to understand, like you get there eventually. Yeah, even on top of that, I mean, we do have, uh, for all of our Korean players and coaches, we do offer them language lessons. Mm-hmm. So, you know, twice a week, they're always waking up and they're and they're making sure that they're learning English. Um, plus, we try to keep everything pretty immersive with, you know, when we go out, like, when you guys go out um, at night, like, you know, we go out to dinner and stuff, like, we'll, we try to make sure that everyone, like, we're integrating cultures so that it's seamless. I Could mean, esports level, be yeah. the thing that finally makes Esperanto happen. I don't know if anybody knows what Esperanto Wait, is. That is. The dead language. Nobody knows what Esperanto <laughs> is. No. Isn't it a dead language? It's a made-up <laughs> language. I, I don't. Oh, maybe yeah. thirty or forty years ago, somebody decided that the Just entire world should all yourself. speak one language, and it was called Esperanto. Okay. And but nobody, everyone was like, "No, nah, that's we're fine." Thank so you. instead of finding a language that already exists, he decided to make up his own language, global language that we should all learn. But now that esports is here, we could call it Esperanto. I'm, this is not a good idea. So, I mean, what is, and this is, I'll ask all four of you this, what do you, what's the ceiling for esports at this point, Jen? Um, I don't think we've figured out what the ceiling is. No. Um, I think that the one thing that could uh, put, put this back is, um, some bad investments. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think AEG obviously has made a smart investment sure. in us. Um, but just people coming in and throwing like venture capital cash at this and expecting a return and then pulling out, you know, within three years, which right. is well, what we could see. And then people lose jobs, people lose, you know, respect for the industry. 
um, I think just from a business standpoint, we just have to watch for um, the way investments are made, the way that we treat players and um, don't look at them as commodities. We don't. We look at them as people that we have to grow and develop. Um, so I think the ceiling is very high still, and we still just don't know what the limits are. Yeah, I mean, for me, that's kind of part of the reason I got into esports was because we haven't reached that ceiling. That ceiling looks really high. Um, the best way to measure it might be against traditional sports, but maybe if we reach the same ceiling heights as traditional sports, esports is so different, it can go above that and beyond that. And I think that that's what's super exciting, and I can't wait to see what we do. I actually remember having a conversation with Ari, um, our CEO, uh, about why he moved from hockey. He was uh, the CEO um, of a hockey team and why he moved to esports. He said, traditional sports has been around for so long that everything has already been set in stone. Everything is done the exact same way all the time. Esports is something that is so new and anything can be done. You can go in any direction. Yeah, there's been a lot of directions that have failed within esports and there's been a lot of lessons learned, but that there's still so many people recreating the wheel and working out what can be done that this the ceiling is essentially limitless. Yeah, I mean, just I'll echo too because I had a conversation with Ari the other day. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's just such a new space. Like to say that the ceiling, like, uh, it's just so high. I mean, it's projected to exceed, I believe, two billion wow. by like twenty twenty wow. as a total market. So, hockey's at what, like three point five? It's it's climbing, yeah, <laughs> barely. Wow. So, so esports in general, it definitely like people have projected it, <laughs> and overall, I think. Uh, you know, as long as, like Jen said, is people are being cautious of, like, some people just want to come into it, throw money, and they right. expect, because they see all the hype. It's like, wow, this is entertaining, this is new, Drake. this is fresh. Yeah. Drake. Drake. <laughs> hey. Um, but, yeah, overall, I think, uh, you know, the ceiling's definitely high. As long as people are cautious about what they're doing and they don't expect, like, an instant return will be good. It's global, too. It is, yeah. I was going to say, people are throwing money at it, right? Because it's just so appealing. There's almost a marketing aspect to this, too, because you're not just you know playing the game or, in the, or the sport or the what's happening here and participating in the league people can buy this game at home mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so there's like a whole nother level of money that i think is just like that's why people are throwing it at you because it you know what i mean <laughs> we're all <laughs> switching microphones, microphones I, around like, i need I, the the reason that you bring up a very good point is the reason fortnite blew up and the reason fortnite is as big as it is is because of how well they did microtransactions within the game and yeah. that's what all the kids love they love the skins they love the all that kind of stuff come along and yeah. that's why fortnite has reached i don't know what their net profit was or something it wasn't a one billion dollars or something like that um oh, it, it was, it's pretty high it's, it's really high. stupidly high I just feel like that's another selling point for people. Like, you can throw money to the NHL, right? But, like, the return comes in different areas, comes in ticket sales, comes mm -hmm. in kids starting to play youth hockey when they're young and people kind of, you know, buying the merchandise. But, like, this is, like, next level, like. Yeah, I think a lot of what, I mean, just off of uh, Scott's point on, like, Fortnite, you know, a lot of those comes in-game transactions. Yeah. There's no real, I mean, there's some physical merchandise to it, and but there's not really ticket sales. There's nothing at the gate. Yeah. Um, and I don't, game there's no, sales. There's, there's it's only game sales. So, literal game sales. You know, there's no like overhead of having, aside from any events they put on, there's no overhead of like a stadium or making jerseys or really paying the, the players because they just compete themselves. So. Yeah. Scott, I'm curious. You said something that really resonated with me because I just had this conversation tonight, and it's a template of a conversation. You can fill in whatever the specific topic is. But the, the conversation always goes like this for me. <clears throat> Why did we do this? Well, because there wasn't any other option, to which I always go, of course there was. 
there there's an infinite number of options they go no there was option a or there was option b and i go well says who yeah like why why was doing nothing not an option i literally just had this conversation in between the second and the third period we we're talking about whether or not the kings should have signed Ilya Kovalchuk as a free agent and not give up any assets, or should they have traded assets to get Max Patchy ready? And my reply was, well, why couldn't they have done neither? Yeah. And the answer was, that was never going to happen, so it's not even worth talking about. And I said, but why? And there's never any answer. So I'm fascinated when, when you say you have this conversation with the CEO. Is there a body that is, or is there some sort of designated group of people that everybody respects enough who, who are making those sorts of decisions. Because I remember a few seasons back, I talked to Mike Murphy, who I think is the senior VP of hockey for the hockey league. Operations? I can't, something I like that. So. And, and talking to him about the GM meetings and talking to him about the bodies of people that regularly meet to chart the course of, this, of hockey. And it's a rotating cast, right? Like the GM meetings every year. Well, this year, the GM could be gone. You know, it could be a different guy next year, or it could be Mike Milbury for 10 years in New York. And then we look at Please yeah, do that. Please th do that. You'll, you'll judge by there. But I mean, like, there are people who were GMs who had no business being GMs who got to vote on rule changes that we're still living with. Um, Mike really wants to talk about this. <laughs> well, so is, the, is there a, is there, you know, are there GM meetings? Is there, there a. Governors? Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, there's, there are, there are the owners' meetings. I was actually just raising my hand because I was like, uh, I use this banter against myself about that. <laughs> I'll change the rules, but um, no, there's there's owners meetings that you know they do chart the course. So all the people who bought in, um, all of the groups who own a franchise, you know, they sit down with Blizzard and they they discuss what that's going to turn. Do the into. players get a voice in that? There is no players union as of yet. Okay. Um, we support a players union. Yeah, we get think. on it, Custa. Yeah. Well, if <laughs> Mike would go to law school already. <laughs> Listen, you want to start paying that tuition. The biggest problem with the, the players union is a lot of the players don't understand the value. You know, we're all very sure. young. We don't. You know, Calling Don fan. Yeah, we're, we're all very young, immature people that don't really understand the value of that. And we're all just so happy to be here of like how much right. success is happening that we don't really... And we also haven't really been hard done by yet. I think the players' union will get done real quick and everyone will band together as soon as something goes wrong. Well, but while everything's cruising smoothing, it's really hard to get everyone to band together. This There's is that where Australian someone... Slang. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody should advocate. Now we're getting into business and stuff. But I, yeah. feel like, I feel like a, you start before something crazy happens. And it, and you can, you can speak for the other people who are young and who might not have a voice. It's kind of how our players' union works now-ish, right? I mean, it's ish. like... Ish. ish. Like, other people can speak for other but people. But just to give you... Like, a, 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 what's the uh, tale of, of caution? Cautionary tale. That's yeah. a yeah. phrase I'm looking for. <laughs> um, it's midnight. No, I don't know what that is. Um, for years, the players didn't have a union, and the and the best player was uh, Gordy Howe. I don't know if you've all ever heard of him. All right. Well, his nickname is Mr. Hockey, and he's revered universally. Okay. Mm -hmm. And one year in, I don't know, 1952 or something like that, his contract bonus was a new jacket. Nice. And and everybody in the locker room wanted him to to reject that, to to speak out against that, and say like, no, I'm yeah. Gordy Howe, I'm Mr. Hockey. Pay, you know, you're all making tons of money off of me. But his attitude was very much like you just described. You very know, he, humble. Yeah. He grew like, up in rural Canada. He didn't never thought he'd have any money, and so now they're paying him, you know, twenty thousand dollars and all the bread he can eat for, you know, to play hockey. So who's what? Yeah, and and I think that sort of. It comes out in the fact that 
I think a players union does need to come together. Um, yeah. I'm trying to tear down your league, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, the, I totally the, think that. I think right. the, the the good thing about it is everyone's been very supportive of Blizzard, um, the the company that made the game in the league. Um, they've they've said that they're very supportive of a players union um, and that kind of stuff. So. I don't really understand how it all functions and that sort of becomes the problem is that I don't understand how it works. Right. Everyone else doesn't understand how it works. There's been attempts of yeah, people trying to put one together, um, but it generally fails when it needs everyone to come together. Is there a draft? No, there's no draft. Are there roster limits? Uh, yeah, there's a maximum size on your roster of 12. Because now that I'm just thinking about... <laughs> now that I've started about founding the players' union... <laughs> I'm going to report you <laughs> but I mean, I'm beginning to think like, okay, your average traditional athlete has a shelf life. Yeah. Right. Like as much as we love Andre, Andre Kopitar, the day will come where he can't play anymore. But the question becomes, what's the shelf life of someone who plays video games? Yeah. Well, that answer. 20, 20, 26 <laughs> is coming up real. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, I just hit 25 and Mike keeps looking at me like, maybe he's too old. I don't know. But I mean, I guess reflexes would play a role in it. Yeah. That's but a debate. That's, that, that's in the So right there now. are very rarely... Um, old esports players right now old but that being late 20s old being right. late 20s but there are um but that is generally because of esports in itself wasn't a right. sustainable business you can't grow old off of esports yeah well and i mean as a 40 year old yeah five years ago when when or however many years ago it was that i first heard about overwatch I wasn't interested because I had a job and yeah. stuff to do, and you have other things to do, right? Yeah. And as a professional player, you, at some point you got to go like, so you, let's say you you play and you're making lots of prize money, and then you start losing, and then you go, well, what happens if I never get good again? I don't have any guaranteed income and that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And that's what the Overwatch League does: is it guarantees incomes, it gives you benefits, it gives you everything that you need to sort of like move on to the future. And like because of the industry is growing, there's so many different avenues that you can go down. Like people people ask me, what are you going to do after you play? And I go. I want to play for as long as I can play, but after that, there's so many different mm -hmm. ways I can go. I can attempt to become a you know, shoutcast, I can go into business, I can go into coaching, all those kind of things. So the avenues open up, yeah. but we, that didn't used yeah. to be there. And, and we try to provide. I mean, I, not like I do joke that I'm team dad sometimes, but <laughs> I, I do try to help. And tell me if I'm wrong, Scott. I won't. I won't be offended. I will. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I try to make sure that like all of the players like understand basically what you know what they're going to need in life. Because I mean, I I've seen everything from like. You know, how do I do my taxes? How does insurance work? And like, right. these are things that like. What's the average age of a player? Um, our team last year, I think, was nineteen point two. Was our average age? I think it's around twenty right now. Now it's around know. twenty. Oh, because, the league is twenty. Well, you know, Kuki yeah. really adds a solid yeah, veteran. Twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. Our, our yeah. grandfather. Do, are the players marketable as individuals? I mean, I know they all have names. Do you sell jerseys? Do you? Oh yeah, sell the jerseys. I, sell. We. I think that's a part. Like Mike was talking about basics. Um, learning what you need to be. I think also as an organization, we take on building their brand and helping them build their brand by building their streaming or teaching them how not to say stupid stuff in public because <laughs> the internet lives on forever. Um, yeah. and, do and you wipe their Twitter accounts before they join the team? I don't wipe them, but we do research. We meticulous yeah, we, yeah. research. We, that's, that's we part do of actually the, uh, research um, the person because my when I interviewed with um, our executive chairman who was formerly our CEO and our founder, Noah Winston, who is 24 right now yeah. um but when i interviewed with him i said you know you want me to switch to pr but i'm not going to defend anyone that um says stupid crap or is just a, a, like just terrible people yeah. because that is not something i do and as an organization we believe in not having terrible people 
play for us yeah, and, I mean, and we stand by yeah, that. that's part of i mean even when we look through like yeah we're gonna look at their mechanical ability but i mean there's players that we've definitely passed on because of either things that we found like you know communication wise and we're just like they wouldn't be a fit for our organization and it's like we don't want to do that we want to make sure that we're finding cultural alignment and like yeah we want to find the best players we want to find the best fits and Justin, what's the most offensive social media post you've ever made? He doesn't have them. He's a complete angel. Oh. Only his cats. Don't oh, you have right. cats? I, it's usually, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> a bunch of Australian slang that no one really understood and got misinterpreted. Oh, yeah. I think I that's would follow that like, account in a heartbeat. It, 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 it's just a really interesting world. I think um, coming from Puck Daddy where we would cover, you know, any of the most obscure parts of um, hockey life because – Everything can be pretty rote and boring with hockey. Um, in esports, it's always something new. Every single like mm -hmm. to try to do puck daddy in esports, I would be working like seventy two hours. There's days. no esports jersey fouls. There's no esports jersey fouls, but you know how badly I want to make those. I mean, I can imagine there must be some pretty rough. Well, the, the hard part is that everybody puts their in-game name on the back, mm -hmm. so like, it's like I'm making fun of their in-game name lovingly, of course. Um, sure. <laughs> but it it's just it's really interesting and it, it it's i i don't I, I don't know my whole world is different let's now. talk about the in-game name thing okay. um as a <clears throat> an elder statesman of the internet um uh, i think i was 15 or 16 yep. when i first got uh a, an external 1200 baud modem Oh my! Uh, okay, <laughs> so big money. Okay, yeah. yeah that, it, that would you know, and it didn't. The cord wasn't long enough, so it, the <laughs> modem would literally be hanging in midair yeah. in the middle of the room because the phone <laughs> jack was on the other side of the wall and the computer was on the other. Of course, yeah. My parents wouldn't let me move the computer to closer to the phone jack. So I had this, you know. We've all been there. Yeah. The arts and crafts. Um, um, you know, and I could. I'm not going to attempt to do it, but I used to know all the noises that the modem made when it would slowly load up. Of course. And um, so I'm whatever, 15 or 16 years old. And I had to choose. I, I, there were only message boards, and they were poorly, sparsely populated. And I only knew about it because some kid I went to school with who had a homemade Commodore 64 told me, hey, you've got to get on this message board with me and 12 other people. So I just reached that age where you think yeah. that you're very deep <laughs> and everything you deep do is magical. Yeah. So I named myself Camus. Okay. After the writer Camus, and th so that was like my AIM name. That was my ICQ name. That like for I don't know for five years or something yeah, before I finally. That's that's a that's, yeah. a that's a very good online name. Yeah. Except that what happens is everyone goes Camus, and you're like, All right, no, no, no. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, how do you choose the name? How long do you hold on to it? And at what point, from a marketing standpoint, at what point do you reach the difficult level of saying like? His name is Scott, but professionally he goes by Custa, even though we're well. He's it, Scott. it wasn't always Custa. All right, <laughs> no, we're not going to go into the details of how we ended up. I don't know. I brought it up. You kind of have to. Uh, of how we ended up on Custa. Um, was it a joint decision? Uh, no. Okay. So um, everyone comes up with their own online name. It's not like I joined the team and then we decide on a right. name. So <laughs> I have called myself. Um, well, I used to be Castado. Um, there used to be an auto at the end um, <laughs> that eventually got reduced into just Custer. Okay. Um, the online names are like a really interesting thing because there's varying degrees of how good they are. There's a lot of um, nice, simple. Sure. Yeah, there's a lot of Castados, like bad ones, but then once you s make it smaller, it's better. Um, but there's also a lot of just stupid ones out there. I play hockey with a guy called Nugs420. Yeah. So I 
Yeah, there, there, there's. It's pretty gotcha. deep, I don't know. <laughs> there, there's just so many like weird things, and it's such a weird culture. And it's something that I've always been curious if it will disappear as mm-hmm. as the industry grows, as people's names just start becoming their their popularity. And I think it would be great because a lot of the bad things that come with esports is you know games and anonymity. I don't know how to say the word apparently, um, <laughs> and just like all of that that comes with it. And I think it would be better for the leagues if you know if you had their last names at the end, and it would it would go a long way into making these online people real. Yeah, I think it, it comes it comes down to ownership of like when you make an online name, it's like yeah, it's yours and you can protect it, but it kind of exists in like a separate realm. Like well, and if you're yeah. an idiot fifteen year old like me and you choose a famous author, yeah, you don't really get to claim. Right, you that identity for the rest of your life because there's like, and you can't be. I mean, like, really, I'm waiting to see it, but like, we're gonna get a professional player that's like uh, big boob 69 or something right. like that. Like, but, well, that was Cool Matt 69. Well, who Cool were, Matt yeah. 69, which he was still playing. Yeah, um, they gave him the number 69, which was nice of them. Didn't but he now is just cool nice Matt. of them. Now <laughs> he's just Cool Matt though. Sure, sure. Um, which, hey Matt, I'm sure you're listening to this. Yeah, yeah, but um. I you know it's funny because as an organization like we see the in-game name as very sacred with the players especially like um, mm-hmm. the younger ones um, Scott's kind of like different but in talking to our younger guys that's their identity right. like that's who they are when they're online um, that's who they are when they're in front of the fans who they are with their real name is somebody completely separate right which is interesting to them but at the same time it's weird to call somebody Custa um, so we as an organization try to call everybody by their real names. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's actually in our employee training to like nice. call them by their real names. I mean, part of the reason I ask, you know, when we have we look at hockey and we con- we're constantly talking about how to grow the game. The conversation is always going on. How do we reach out to new fans? How do we grow the sport? And and what always happens is there's pushback from the traditional fans who say. When I come to a game, I want to hear ACDC playing on the loudspeaker, and I don't want, you know, hip-hop, and I don't want loud sounds and music that I don't understand. And, and we go, like, that's fine, but there are other people out there who don't like what you like. I mean, I, I for example, used to hate mascots, and then somebody sat me down and was like, you don't understand, when Bailey does his thing, yeah. little kids love him, and then they grow up liking the Kings because they like So I said, oh, okay, fine. So as Wild Wings better. <laughs> well, he does nice, have a statue nice outside wing. your building. He's a nice um, wing. I back him. But wait. My boyfriend's a season yeah. ticket member. <laughs> um, but the reason Worst I ask is because, you know, quote-unquote traditional sports, a huge part of growing the game is reaching the market that you guys, I feel like, are, are based in. For you, growing the game seems like trying to reach out to people like me, frankly, who are old and cranky and go, professional video games, well, I never... So I'm when I and I realize this isn't professional gaming, but when I see clips of Ninja, okay. I go, I'm not watching a guy who calls himself Ninja. Like <laughs> I was when I was again 15 or 16, we had ninjas. There were Ninja Turtles, there were Surf Ninjas, there were the power. Like you don't get to just call yourself Ninja. <laughs> the Ninja. <laughs> yeah, and like be, then that's that <laughs> done, done deal. So I mean, is there a move? to grow the sport or are you trying to consolidate what you are already and then you'll worry about i think um it depends on the game that you're looking at i mm-hmm. think uh, the biggest thing about esport and that i always go to people like when i'm explaining it to my parents they go i don't understand that i'm going well we're not trying to convince you <laughs> sure like wait i'm the the older generations uh we're not trying to make esports fans out of all we'll of them be dead we're, soon we're anyway. going yeah they, they're on the way out so um <laughs> we have the 
we're going for the younger audiences and honestly the the amazing thing about Fortnite as much as Fortnite sort of made esports a little bit of a mm -hmm. too mainstream too early uh, is that there's these kids growing up that playing video games is cool and competing at it and the uh, admiring the best people like ninja is cool and is is good and that's those are the people we're trying to reach because right now the best yeah, you guys, you guys, I'm sorry. Well, if you, you guys, have kids, we will take your money. Yeah, that yeah. is what we're saying. <laughs> when you have kids, come back. Because, um, yeah. yeah, that'll be interesting. But I think right now the demographic is like 18 to 30 is right, our like prime yeah. de demographic. I think that, well, the cool thing about um, when, like, you see kids, like, you know, as you mentioned with Bailey the mascot, it's like, okay, well, the kids grow up being this. It's like, what we see with esports is that the kids will grow up with this, and then the parents then become interested. So you kind of get the reversal of that right. scenario. Um, you know, like when I started coaching esports, like my, my dad knew that I loved it, but then he would actually start watching the games and he would start asking me questions. And like my family got into it. Like now the holidays are a nightmare, sort of, because <laughs> like, yeah, Michael, tell me about that e video thing you do. And I'm like, oh God, okay. Um, but it's like they're interested in it. And then like they tell their friends, and like, oh yeah, my, you know, my, my cousin, my son does this. And it's like it expands on that horizon because everyone we do, I think, as um, my generation, God, that sounds so terrible you get used to it. as we get older then, like, then we have you know that we have kids mike's 26 um, by the way i know oh, god. i'm oh god that reaction was not good um but yeah i think as as like our our generation um you know has kids like and they just grow up with it and we've grown up with it like you'll start to see what happened with with regular sports um you know people the average age will start going a little bit higher and higher because everyone will start being involved with it so one of the biggest things that is the barrier to entry to esports is a prime example is my mum so I, she's, I'm trying to get her to explain, uh, to understand it. And when you watch a sport, it's very easy to understand how hard what they are doing is because right. everyone's gone and run around on a field and tried right. to jump as high as those people jump or try and catch a ball. But when you see a video game get played, you don't understand how hard right. what we are doing is to accomplish. So unless you've actually played video games and actually tried to But presumably to that, that problem fixes it as the generation as the generations gets get older. older. And yeah. that's why, you know, the older... I, I tried to get my mom to do it and she couldn't stop looking at the ground and just right. like moving forward <laughs> in circles. And that's why it's going to be hard for them to understand. To be it. fair, there was an analog for that 20 years ago when you would try and get your mom to play Pac-Man and she couldn't stop running into the wall. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. I, I feel your Nothing's ever changed. <laughs> and just to add, that's where the live experience, I think, helps mm -hmm. a lot as esports begins to grow because when you're watching these guys and watching the way that they're looking and moving their hands and stuff it's really quite amazing we've actually held some intimate events on our campus with the la valiant like up close and personal and i think those events like really help you see like how crazy they are and no joke like um i started playing overwatch uh after i got this job and um one i'm awful uh, but I can, do, can't uh, he can, he's actually played me, um, and killed me multiple times, but I go into our scrimmages and I literally watch them. I will stand behind like Scott or Indy who plays a uh, diva and, um, watch him and watch and trying to like replicate what they do. Um, never works, but and, and it, when they explain it, it sounds so simple. It's like. All right, yeah, you just got to, you know, you just do a nice, like, 180, you eat the grab, and then you're just going to win the game. And or it's, it's like, oh, like oh, Andy yeah. said to me yesterday, it was something like, I asked him how to do this this bomb um, and make it move, and he laughed at me and then said, you hit space bar and Q and just go. And I was just <laughs> like, but you make it sound so much That's easier. That's a t-shirt right there, though. Yeah. Right? Space <laughs> bar, Q, and go. <laughs> and go, yeah. Yeah. Just the professor, everybody. Um, yeah. I hate to wrap it up. Uh, you guys are welcome to come back. I 100% will volunteer for all the Valiant's men if you ever want to do it. <laughs> that would be so fun. Carlin, any, any final thoughts? I want to go to the arena. Let's do it. I want to watch. I want to see it live. Yeah. February 16th is our first game, 3 p.m., um, against the... Ch 
Spark. Hongzhou Spark. Spark. Um, Let's do it. I, I'm in. Okay. We'll see what we Making can do. Plans. That's is that during the Grammy trip, maybe? No, they just get back after that. Uh, I think they're back on Valentine's Day, I think. Right. Well, it's a Sunday at 3 p.m. Or a Saturday at 3 p.m. All right. Um, I'll check the schedule. Yeah, check the schedule. But we would love to have as many people come out. Um, and this was really fun. I just really want to actually... Esports night was really cool. I was really worried um, we were going to get booed. Same. <laughs> um, because if you look up uh, Google... Uh, what is it? Golden oh, Guardians? No. It, at an NBA game? At an NBA oh, game. They bad. got booed oh. um, super bad. I thought you were bad. talking about the NHL Guardians for a second, which no, I 100% oh would God. boo. Do you remember that? I totally oh, We could have a whole podcast yeah. on the Guardians. Um, but... So I was really afraid, but I just want to thank, um, hold on, I'm vomiting in my mouth, um, Kings uh-huh. fans <laughs> for embracing us and um, cheering for our guys and really just get in the whole Kings staff, um, especially Pat Donahue in marketing and his whole team for putting together this night um, because they're big gamers and they love it. And um, Really, I really encourage all my hockey friends out there, come watch us play. It's not that expensive. It's like 25 bucks a ticket, maybe. Um, and come watch us play. Enjoy. You, we have so many opportunities, too, where you can meet the players and talk to them. This is um, one of the fun parts about esports is where you can't get online and practice with Andre Kopitar. Right. But you can get online, right. and if you're good enough and playing in plat or ranked with Scott, or you can get online and he will host fans in a death match. And you I can't do like do to that. beat up my fans every he does. time. <laughs> it's actually really fun. Um, but you can't do that. But you can do that in esports. Right. These guys are so connectable and, and we have a really great team. And But I miss you, NHL. Well, we do have to go, but we will do this again. So for Carlin Bathe, Mike the GM, Scott Custa, I don't know your last name, Scott the Aussie, Stephanie, and of course, the delightful Jen Neal. Thank you for coming back. I'm Jesse Cohen. Thanks for listening to Kings fans. We'll talk to you soon. Go Ducks. Thank you. Thank you.